up, you guys? First and foremost, welcome back to a new episode of Just So We're Clear, brought to you by myself, Hanley Hofer, and my co-host, Marissa True. Hello, hello. Oh, a little no, sultry. It's a little vibrato in there. (laughs) So welcome to today's episode. As you can tell by the title, today is a little bit special because we are going pretty one-on-one and pretty personal with a very special person whose name is Andrea Rosali. Yeah, so Andrea Rosali is one of Singapore's top transgender models. She's also a pageant queen. Uh, where she was a finalist representing Singapore. She's a makeup artist. She's a business owner. And to top it all off, she's an LGBTQ plus advocate in a country where, like, let's be real, we could do a little bit better in terms of LGBTQ plus representation. Absolutely. A little better is is a very polite way of... A very polite way of putting it. You know, we're coming from a place where even though in general, Singaporeans have a very open mentality, or so I'd like to think, on paper... In our legal system, there are still laws that make it very black and white that certain acts that are homosexual are illegal. Yeah. So we're basically coming at this from an angle of if you are straight, cisgender, male, female, you're privileged. And we want to shine a light on what is essentially a very invisible community. The transgender community isn't one that is talked about very often, isn't recognized and it's sort of it's sort of kind of shooed under the carpet. And I mean, it's not fair, is it? It's not fair. And we're learning so much more about what it's like to be a member of these communities from outside influence, from all different types of countries and nations in our world. Yeah. So why not shine the light to what is happening in our own little red dot? Having Andrea on this episode means so much to us to be able to support her, her cause, and the whole community of people who are, I guess, outliers um, in... Yeah, and, and what we know as our, I guess, to put it in inverted commas, mainstream. Yeah, and I mean, the best part of having Andrea as the spokesperson of all this is that, I mean, she's, she's sassy, she's funny, she's sharp. And like, I don't know, I, lo- I love this episode, and I think all of you guys will too. I mean, ama- apart from just having an incredible journey of all that she's gone to to uh, to become who she always knew she needed to be, which is all about self-love, by the way, which you know we're here for. Andrea has this gorgeous aura and light and confidence about her, which is just so respectable and wonderful. Her walking into the room, we were just like, wow, you're special. So having her on this show means a lot to us. So Andrea, if you're hearing this now and we're making you blush, thank you. <laughs> I'm just going to say... Let's stop kissing her ass because we did that during the episode as well. So without further ado, Andrea Rizali. All right, where do we even begin? Well, first of all, my darling Andrea, thank you. Yes, <laughs> no problem. I'm so um, happy to be here. Thank you so much for being on our podcast. You mentioned that we are your first Yes, my virgin experience yeah. doing the podcast. I'm so happy. It's with just so we're clear. Just so we clear, sorry. And yeah. yeah. And I'm very happy to be here with you, Marissa, and you, Henry. Oh, no, thank you so much. Because, like, I think, I mean, we covered a lot in our pre conversation, but there's so many questions that we have to ask. Because talking about the transgender experience, especially in the context of Singapore, is so foreign to many of us that we only, you know, we hear about it. We can't, like, we can't just watch it on TV and expect to understand, you know what I mean? Well, the thing is that the trans community in Singapore, they are put in the shadows. Yeah. People, it's like, it's a taboo to talk about 
you know, women like me here. And I feel like um, the only thing you know is the Changi village, sex workers, and the lady boys in Thailand. Yeah, that's, I think, yeah. that's all the people here know. They don't know that a lot of us live live very um, normal lives. We want we have normal dreams, just like a normal woman. Mm-hmm. And when you transition from a man to a woman, you want to live as a woman. You don't want to live as a third gender. Yes. You know, then why would you do it? Why would you go through all that surgery and, yeah. you know, go through all that trauma just to live as a gender that is unknown? Yeah, because it's like, obviously, you. I feel from what I've understood is that you're obviously transitioning to be more comfortable in your own skin and to live a very normal life. So yeah, exactly. Like you said, why would you then have a whole extra experience that's even more confusing? Yeah. It's just, it makes a lot of sense. Cause yeah. I, I mean, in Singapore, we don't talk about it, do we? Yeah. Like the most we have in terms of LGBTQ is pink dot once a year. Yeah. And even that is like, I think, um, just a celebration, I feel. Yeah. And and I think in general, there's just a conversation around the T and LGBTQ. Is it's just not had. And you know, you are the front runner of our generation in Singapore of having these conversations. Yeah. You're so outspoken of your experience. Yeah. You've been, I think, like every major media internationally when it comes to talking about this topic in Singapore, it's always you, babe. Yeah, and thank I, you. It's always you. And I always have such a like a, a string in my heart when I see you doing your thing. Because and I and I addressed this earlier when you came into the room, but we have a little bit of a backstory. Yeah, we do. We do. We do. Yeah. And and it just I think it's like a really beautiful rounding of the the three times that I've kind of crossed your paths, um, our paths have crossed in our lives, and how they've always been, without my knowledge, checkpoints in your life. So, for example, it is right. Yeah. So the first time Andrea and I met, Andrea was still Andy, (laughs) and I she went there, (laughs) and I had just started modeling. Right? It was Mm -hmm. it was my first shoot. I was like, it was one of the first. I was like a baby face, innocent. Like, I was like seventeen or something. Well, I mean. I became my career, so I hope I hope that made sense. But you were the hairdresser on the show. Yeah, I was. I was. Yeah. And I, the thing is, I saw Henley, and I was like, "Who's this beautiful girl?" And I thought you weren't from here. Yeah. You know. And then, um, many years later, we bumped each other again on an MTV shoot for Zalora. Yeah. With Alan and you. Yeah, that's right. And um, remember, I made you to Gwen Stefani. Oh my God! Yes. <laughs> you were Gwen. St- At the time, I had like pink or was it I think you had, you had brown hair like browner than what you have now okay. but you were you was your first or second year into hosting MTV and so Laura wanted you and Alan for the show I wore a wig for that one yes yeah, so I yeah, put yeah. a wig on you yeah yeah it was a platinum blonde wig yeah you look gorgeous by the way with, like, I still have the picture lips. somewhere and then we bumped into each other again when I was getting a tattoo years later I'm pretty sure I was getting a tattoo of my ass as well. This was oh, the yeah. alien. This is my, this is full disclosure. I have an alien tattoo in my butt. I'm pretty sure, <laughs> I'm pretty That's sure hard. the day that you walked into the tattoo salon was that tattoo. I hate that I was sober for that. And that was a very like conscious decision to get an You're alien like, you know on what? my ass. This is my brand. This is who I am. <laughs> um, uh, but when I walked in with you, you at the time walked in with, was he your fiance by that time? Or were you guys already oh. married? He was my fiance, my ex fiance. So we we were married, now we're divorced. Yeah. But he was my ex fiance, and I just did the big cut. You know, I just 
officially became a woman. Yeah. yeah. I, got, I got the full goods. <laughs> so for the people who may not really understand what you mean by cut, would you care to explain just a little so bit? So it's a gender reassignment surgery and it's basically what trans women do to reaffirm our reproductive organs to basically, you know, in vulgar terms, to dig into a pussy. <laughs> I mean, that's your most layman explanation, right? Yeah. <laughs> For people who don't understand. That's yeah. what we do. The cut, guys. Yeah, and also, like, there's no way to misunderstand that. You know yeah. exactly what that means. <laughs> so it's an Audi to an innie. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then the other time we finally reconnected and we really had a moment to have a chat was because we were on set together for a shoot. I know, okay. Most it was, random. It was so weird. It's the weirdest and I never saw the final product, but Andrea and I were co-models at the shoot for some like energy supplement. Yeah. And then we lasted the whole, it was an overnight shoot in the middle of the CBD, but we had a lot of time to just catch and kind of catch each other up on our stories. And I just, I still look at that moment as from the time we met when I was just starting out as a little model and you were in your life before to where we are, were at that moment where we were basically equals on the shoot. Yeah. And I think that's just such a beautiful rounding of how I've seen you and your journey. Yeah. But that's also just been very small snippets of the full picture because yeah. you have lived, girl. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like I've been through it all. You've been through I've it, had it all. I've had a dick. I had a pussy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so we were saying earlier that you said trans women live life at a much faster pace. And because, I mean, the fact that you've been engaged, married, divorced, and you are very close to our age, it blows my mind that you've managed to achieve all of that in a very narrow window. Yes. Yes. Well, different trans women go through different journeys. Some of them, they start at 12. Some of them start at 17. You know, I've known girls who start at 11, you know, and for me, I started really late. I started at 23. So... If you compare me with a trans woman who starts at 12, I have 11, I'm 11 years late, you know, and you can do everything, get everything done and physically transform yourself into a woman within two years. Wow. Yeah, you can. And um, I constantly felt like I needed to catch up. And that's why I made all those decisions to, you know, find a husband, find a man. But it was really, it was, it was bad. It was bad decisions because I think if you rush things, you know, you kind of like self-sabotage sometimes. You settle, you know, you settle. Yeah. I mean, I don't know what your ex-husband looks like, but. Well, not about looks. He treats me. Oh, that's even worse. Yeah. <laughs> no, because I wanted to. I wanted to touch on something that I think a lot of people misunderstand about um, the transgender community is this: the point at which in your life you you know inside yourself that you are not of the right gender, that you want to make that transition. Because, like you said, so many so many girls and boys, for that matter, start super young, but then in the media when they talk about it and they talk about transgender rights especially for kids they assume that oh a kid's not old enough to know that like a kid's not old enough to understand what they really want so they delay well if there are there's a science to transgender people what they go through in a scientific term the you know the hypothalamus in the brain mm-hmm. so females have a different structure from a male a transgender person is born with a hypothalamus in his or her brain that is similar to the gender 
he or she identifies with, but it's a little bit different because of the hormone influences. Right. Yeah, so hormones are a big factor in why people become trans, you know, why they are born trans. So from five years old, I've always known there was something different about me from other boys, and I felt closer to females. You know, I've always loved female things. I've always loved, when I knew about the difference between men, male and female, I kind of identified with the female more, even though I had a dick. You know, and I was like, I couldn't understand it because my parents are Singaporean and um, over here, you know how it is. That's why we're doing this because trans women and, you know, doctors who specialize in women like me, they're not available mm. a lot here. So my point is that when you, if all of them know from the day they were born, it's whether or not they get access to information to confirm whether they are that you know, whether they are the, the third gender, they call it, you know, which is transgender. Yeah. So where did you find the information for yourself when you started to come to understand it? From this YouTuber called Gigi Gorgeous. You know her, right? Yeah. So her story, her story is very, um, how do I say this? Her story, I know her story is not easy, but obviously she portrays a glamorous life, but there's a lot of things going on behind and in her movie this is what's the movie name this is this is me this i, I something yeah yeah this is everything this is everything yeah so in her movie this is everything documented her gender dysphoria how she felt so happy with her first bra i had i went through all of that my first bra was from i went to with my atria <laughs> with a girlfriend and i was a boy <laughs> we went in the changing room and we were like What's the smallest size that you have? Push, uh -huh. push up, please. <laughs> so we, I remember it was a cotton-on wide bra. And the reason why we chose cotton-on was because, you know, it was a lot of people in the store. And if a, if a, if a guy goes in, if a, if a boy goes in, no one would really notice, mm. you know. So, yeah, and it was, it's a long journey. And I feel like um, trans women become women in a different way from cisgender women mm. yeah it's a different journey but the same end product yeah I mean right. I was gonna say that like my first bra experience was exactly the same I was like what's the smallest one you have <laughs> and the most push-up yeah. I was like do you have smaller than a double A <laughs> and then I bought it went home and mom was like why would you bother I was like no mom they're there you just, you just like squint a little bit. <laughs> you just like push it. Yeah, just like push nudge it, push them it. together. Push, push, and then you get a <laughs> shadow. <laughs> it's like, look, mom, look. <laughs> I'm a woman, y'all. I don't care what you say. I'm a woman. <laughs> it's my proudest moment. I was bringing home my first underwire bra. <laughs> I remember when I brought home my first pair of heels as well. These like little like sparks of excitement, you know, and you just put them on and you strut forever until your feet hurt. Yeah. Yeah, but I guess I like... For our experience versus yours, I guess, would I be right to say that when it happened for you, it was just like you mentioned earlier, like playing catch up almost. It's like playing catch up because you missed out on so many years, you know, when all your girlfriends from school are just like going through periods and getting their first bra. You're just like, I want it to be me. Mm. So, okay, maybe share with us some of the moments um, of discovering your womanhood that you can recall that were very, like, key moments for you? Well, when I was nine years old, my mom made us wash our school shoes by hand because it's like a discipline thing. She didn't want us to be spoiled by the helper. 
So she made us do it ourselves. And I would always get my pants wet. And, you know, like pants, men's pants are made of a lot of materials compared to women's clothes. They're a bit thinner. Um, so I told her, can I wear your skirt so that my legs don't get, you know, so that I don't drench my legs, don't drench my long jeans. She's like, it's, yeah, it's fine. You can wear that. So I wore it and I loved it. It was pink. It was a tennis skirt. Oh. Yeah, so it like flared <laughs> Cute, out. Cute, right? You yeah. know? The activewear trend before it really hit the yeah. mainstream. Yeah. <laughs> so I didn't want to take it off and I felt so comfortable wearing that, you know, and then... um when my mom wasn't home, I reached for the pair of pink heels. And I think I got a lot of my female cues from Barbie, mm. you know, because Barbie was being advertised on the mm-hmm. local television a lot. You know, they used to do advertisements not on the internet, but on television. Oh, back, back in, in the day. day. Yeah, <laughs> way back in the day, right? You remember? Yeah, I so do. I would Madeline, just... not included. <laughs> <laughs> Precisely. And um, I think I would just look at Barbie and I would, in my mind, that is the epitome of femininity right. so the tennis skirt barbie yeah, and the pink yeah. you know cover toe heels barbie yeah. you know so i kind of my mom bought those heels and she didn't use it so when she wasn't home i would wear it and walk around the house when and when she would come home and i would just like <laughs> <laughs> you know just run and like so so where did you find support as you were going? Like, say, when you started your transition or at least came to understand it from when you were really young. Like, who did you confide in? Who did you have confidence in? Did you have anybody? See, that's the thing, right? Like, it must have been such an isolating experience if you don't have someone to lean on. It was, but it made me really confident, very sure of myself. Because yeah. I feel like um, even cisgender women go through the same thing you know, with a body image. Mm-hmm. You know, that's why you guys are doing this, to spread whatever you've learned as women mm-hmm. to other younger women or other women who are not doing very well. Yeah. yeah. You know? I think that's the amazing common thread of just the human experience, yeah. finding that, I mean, self-love, yeah. confidence yeah. to drive yourself, to make the decisions for yourself. Because right. at the end of the day, whatever, the, <laughs> whatever, um, whatever your situation is, you are responsible for your own happiness. So you need to find the drive within yourself to make these decisions to change your own life. In your case, your decisions were just bigger. Oh, yeah. yeah. Decisions were more like drastic and um, dramatic, I feel. Yeah. Because, I mean, I think a lot of the stuff, whenever we preach about confidence and self-belief and all this sort of stuff, it always bubbles down to like, will you back yourself? And I think when it comes down to not just it's not just about granting yourself that confidence and like feeling you know becoming accustomed to being in your own skin when the world is telling you that it's weird or it's strange or it's not normal i think that's the scarier part because like we i mean once we get confidence the world sort of does us a favor and goes yeah cool and rewards it Mm -hmm. but i feel like as a transgender woman especially if you are a transgender woman who is publicly known as being transgender you'll have the accepting community and you will have the equally judgmental, horrible, dickish community. And like, I don't know how much you can take as a human being when half the world is trying to well, put you down. If you if you made the decision to be trans, you already won half the battle. Right. Because mm. to go through, to, to, to be so sure that you want to put yourself through that yeah. in a world where trans women are seen as freaks 
you know, it's it's a huge thing. It's like me telling you, um, are you ready for being outcasted? Are you ready for people discriminating you for almost your whole life? Are you ready to give up the comforts of this normal life just to be you? Yeah. If you can say yes to all of this and put the pill in your mouth and commit to it from the from that day till the day you live now, yeah. you're ready. Oh, you're strong enough. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Talk about your strength, you know? Yeah. So, Andrea, you started your journey to transition at 23. Yeah. Is that right? At, was there an aha moment or that big turning point where your inner love came out through and you were like, you know what? Fuck this. This is the life that I want. I'm going to get it. The confidence and everything that has been more or less driving you. Was there a defining moment or was it a kind of a gradual thing until one point you were like, I'm doing it. (laughs) Wow, we're here now. (laughs) Well, I've always been a very practical person. So I I like to plan things. You know, I like to be very practical, about realistic about my life. Mm -hmm. And um, I've always known this feeling has just been like at at the back burner in my my system for very long. You know, I kind of knew and I kind of tried different ways of being feminine Mm -hmm. I tried to be a femme gay guy, you know, just like, you know, be sassy and, you know, yeah, yeah but that's when Henry met me. <laughs> and then um, it didn't work because I, I asked myself, are you really happy? And no, I, I still, when I look in the mirror, I didn't like it, mm. you know. And then um, I tried to be a more masculine gay guy. You know, that didn't work out very well. <laughs> <laughs> I, I knew I was attracted to men from a very young age, mm-hmm. you know, so that being gay was just, I knew, you know, because sexual attraction, you just know, yeah. you know. Um, but the gender, the kind of, the kind of like guy I wanted to be, I did not know. So I kind of like toggled between all the different kinds of like homosexuals there are. I think that's another really interesting point that you sort of, I guess when you're trying to find your identity, you sort of play into different like social stereotypes of like doing different outfits. Yeah, like yeah, exactly. Yeah. Different categories of in this case, um, gay man. Yeah, precisely. And I was a teenager as well. I mean, don't don't we all? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, as 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 women, when you were girls, you were kind of like you had your, you know, your your weird haircut. You had your uh, punk style. When we all had that. Can we also just acknowledge that we grew up in the era where like emo kid, scene kid was a thing. Like no one talks about how uncomfortable that was in a Singapore climate. (laughs) Yeah. And no one... Like their heavy black eyeliner just got smudgy. Like the thick fringe just gave me forehead pimples. But you know what is the look? It was... (laughs) (laughs) That was the thing that like the thing I was resentful for was that no one told me to cool it on the eyeliner. Like why did I just keep making it thicker? I like know. I would just get like coal as well. Yeah. Just and if it's and smudged, you were like even better. And I see like young girls nowadays getting like eyebrow tutorials and Pinterest and TikTok, and I'm like, I didn't have that. Yeah, we just turned like, up looking like a bag of shit. We literally, no, we just turned <laughs> up. <laughs> we just a hot mess, being like, uh huh. Yeah. I'm hot, y'all. Yeah. I don't care what you say. Yeah. But cool eyes are my thing. <laughs> <laughs> no exactly so like so then okay so then post transition like how did you find your identity as a woman like how did you did you have the same I just found it this year only this year okay talk to us through that um so when I was when I just transitioned obviously the number you know the most beautiful trans women come from Thailand so I I looked at Thailand I kind of got inspiration from that model my look I became so hyper feminine in a very annoying way 
So I was just like in pink all day. <laughs> And so you were basically my, Barbie. She I was, was an Instagram baddie. Okay. Instagram like, Barbie. I'm an Instagram baddie now. Oh <laughs> yeah. Okay. Instagram Barbie. Yeah. Precisely. Yeah, I remember. And a lot of people tell me like your look and your personality don't match. Your energy doesn't match your look. You know, because obviously I was a very, um, I, I had a business since I was 17. I was, you know, hustling since then, you know, doing makeup. And I, I just always, I've always enjoyed business. So like when I show up, to like a meeting looking like Barbie people are like what's going on here right <laughs> so it was like the entrepreneur narrative versus the Barbie narrative and being like Crash. very Paris Hilton simple life and being like this doesn't work here this yeah. doesn't work and the thing is I was just experimenting and um, I had that for a couple of years and I kind of grew out of you know I grew out of it I realized that you know what no one's going to take me seriously and if I really want to represent my community because I was going here, I was meeting, you know, people from the media a lot because when you do makeup, yeah. you you flip in and out of this industry and people people talk. <laughs> and there are not a lot of trends in this country. And I I have to leave a good impression, you know. And a lot of them tell me like, you know, when we first saw you, we thought you were a joke, but you know, then we got to know you when we speak to you, we kind of like develop the respect for you. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, what you're saying is also just like the ins and outs of growing up and maturing. Yeah. But your experience was just so much more, how do I say it? I guess a bigger, a bigger roller coaster because yeah, it's, the, it's, more yeah. it's, it's more severe because whilst like our experience as women as well, for sure, from teenagehood to now, we're still trying different styles. We're still yeah. figuring out like who we are as women. Like that, I think will always be like, evolving but for you you had that whilst also going through gender yeah so it was an extreme situation mm. yeah and also i was adjusting to the societal norms of being a woman mm. there are a lot of things that women in asia can't say that men can say mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. we know mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> we know very well like when men say it oh yeah yeah bro like yeah i applaud you when women say oh she's a whore <laughs> that is very yeah. much still here oh yeah that is not going anytime soon i actually had a debate about this the other day you don't I, think so i mean i feel like it's shifting but like i as a joke once i called a guy friend of mine who slept around a bit and i called him a slut and he was truly offended yeah. <laughs> no i called him a slut because i was like in, in my thinking if we're really going to neutralize it as a term and i can use it against you as a guy in the way that like, and I can use it in a way where it's not going to carry the same weight as if I called another girl a slut. I think that should be neutral. And he was genuinely offended. Oh, I was like, I'm so over that word though, too. I mean, but I feel like also these kind of guys, fragile masculinity. Mm, so fragile. Yeah. They're like the Fabergé eggs of ego. Exactly. Mm, ooh, that's a good one. Yeah. Mm, thank you. And <laughs> I think they just want to be validated again and again. Yeah. So they get validated by pressing women down. Yeah, and they just feel entitled due and to gender. These are the men that are afraid of women like me. These are the men that literally spread the hate for trans women. Yeah, because I mean, I mean, I don't, I don't know anything about the Singapore trans community, but then you know that, especially in areas where the conversation is a lot more open, it's a lot more liberal, like say the states or um, the UK, perhaps. Mm-hmm. Violence against trans women is ridiculous like there's just so much and it's often because a man will have discovered that the woman he was attracted to is trans or was formerly a man and it just 
there's just like a snapping point. But even then, there's this whole conversation about um, people looking at transgenders as objects, like objectifying yeah. them, fetishizing them. And so having more of a detachment from when well, they... I blame, um, I blame the sex industry for that and pornography because there is a whole literal... Um, there's literally a whole... Genre. Genre called tranny porn. Yeah. <laughs> Where it's women with penises. So then how is like... How is it like for you to find love and to find connection, to meet someone? Well, I'm quite scary when I when guys approach me. Oh, I love that. Yeah. yeah. Well, yes. like, <laughs> I'm, like I'm, I'm the biggest bitch. Hey, <laughs> I'm the biggest bitch. <laughs> and um, I'm quite challenging today, okay. you know. So, and I think men like that. It kind of develops respect when you when you you know you fuck them up. And they're trying to be nice to you. They're doing compliments at you and you're just not having any of it. Yeah. You're just like, I don't need your validation. Fuck you. <laughs> you know? I love that. Yeah. I don't need your validation because yeah. my validation comes from me and my doctor. Because yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you've gone through such a journey yeah. to like to embrace and like flourish and thrive as you are. Yeah. And also because you had your you had an ex-husband. Yeah. That must have set your standards and knowing what you want in terms of a future partner so much clearer. Yeah, precisely. Yeah. And um, even before that, I was figuring out what kind of guy that I wanted, but I knew I knew what I could bring mm. to the table. And I feel like a lot of um both like mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> yeah, I feel like a lot of women these uh, I mean in this current generation with the media sexualizing us so much, yeah. you know, we we are afraid. Yeah. We are very afraid of being called a slut and a whore, but who cares? It's just a label. So this is something that I did um, after I ended a relationship last year, because knowing what you can bring to the table is so key from any like woman's perspective, even as a male perspective. But one thing that I did, and I also mentioned this to you, Marissa, I was like, write down a list of everything you are who you are, what you can do, what you can bring to the table. If you can turn a house into a home, that counts. That's something. Just never fail back to literally outline what you can bring. I live by this quote um, that I saw many years ago. And the quote says, never take the jewels off your crown for a man. Find a man whose hands are big enough to carry the weight. And write it down, everybody. Yeah. <laughs> write it down. Put it on your fridge. Exactly. <laughs> and I think um, I'm, I accept every kind of woman, yeah. you know, and um, I feel like I'm a woman myself. I just that I started off different. Mm-hmm. And yeah, but I feel like when you when you internalize that, your self-value is realized by you and you will never, ever again allow, be it a female or a male or an animal to disrespect you. Yeah, and you come into, you step into your own power and you shine. Because women, we, like, seriously, like, we go through shit to get to where we are, just to exist. It's a, it's a challenge in itself just to exist, you know. And other, that the societal standards that females put on each other, you know, it's, men don't have that. Men don't have any expectations of each other. They're just like, you do you, bro. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's so true. We put it on ourselves and we put it on each other and then... And then we also get it from the outside, mainly yeah. from the outside. And yeah. then we just internalize they it. They compare 
Like, so what if you, your taste is more than mine? So what if your face is more beautiful than mine? You're still a woman. You yeah, can... it's insane. I mean, like, even in, from my experience working in the industry, um, working in media, even when I started off and I was modeling and, you know, I'd be at these fashion shows and I'd be at castings and I would see, like, the most drop-dead stunning girls from all over the world. Mm. And what's crazy is that these girls are also the most insecure women. It's It's normally the case. Mm -hmm. And so this is something that I hope that we don't forget that when we meet another sister or whatnot, like we are having a mutual experience with our internal struggle and our like self-validation. Like it holds no limit to what you look like on the exterior. It really doesn't. If you depend on an external person or external being or external thing for validation, you will never be truly happy. 100%. Preach it. So one thing I want to circle back to is when we were talking about how you blame um, like the pornography industry and the sex industry for essentially fetishizing transgender women. Well, trans- probably transgender men as well. I mean, we haven't really Not touched really. them in this call. I mean, I, really. I don't know. They're changing yeah. to the gender that rules the world. Oh, right yeah, now. that's true. <laughs> You're now powerful. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but um, it's... It's interesting because it basically forces you to control your own narrative. And I think that's, yeah. And it's especially challenging if you're trying to control a narrative where you're dealing with a microphone that's like 50 decibels lower than everyone else. Everyone's not really listening. Everyone just wants to sort of identify, figure out what you are, tick a box, cool, you're done. Um, And I mean, you are a massive spokesperson for all of this. So how are you trying to shift that narrative? Like what are your main, I guess, pillars that you want people to be aware of and really understand for them to really finally click when it comes to understanding transgender people? I think you never know the shoes that another person is walking in. You know, you only see what they show you, you know, with Instagram, social media, and even without Instagram, social media, you only see them when they're there. And you, when you see them with your own eyes, you don't know what they do in the rest of their day. You don't know what they go through. Um, I think it's just about respect. Respect another person for the decisions that they make, yeah. you know. And if you want to ask, you can. You're entitled to ask. But the other person's entitled to reveal whether she wants to... Um, She's entitled to whether she wants to reveal it to you or not, yeah. you know. And um, with this respect, I think there'll be a lot of equality, not for trans women, for all women. And it just makes the world, like, all equal mm-hmm. in terms of, you know, on a social aspect, at yeah. least, yeah. you know, so that we all have the same kind of rights. Yeah. 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 So, okay. I do want to touch on something very big that you went through last year because I know that girlfriend here took part in a pageantry. Yes, I took part in the biggest transgender pageant in the world and wow. represented our country. Uh, pause. Okay, what? <laughs> <laughs> it was. I know. I mean, I saw the photos. Yeah. It looked so incredible. That was your first time competing. Do you have plans to compete again? And tell us a little bit about the experience. Okay, so I was I was never in a beauty pageant because I, I always thought that beauty pageantry was objectification. Nice. But so I never I never had interest in it, you know, and um but Miss International Queen, the message was stand proud, true self, world equality, you know, and it's only transgenders 
they don't they don't allow female no naturally born females to participate so I was like, this is not really objectification. There's a stronger message behind that is shining through, you know, instead of just putting, you know, like a whole load of beautiful trans women on the stage and letting the judges rate them according to the beauty. Mm-hmm. And beauty is one thing because every transgender that's on the stage is already beautiful, yeah. you know, and uh, it's mostly about her influence. It's about her poise. It's about how, how her journey to become the woman that she is, how much she's done you know, and how much she wants to do. And I really felt for that's why I chose this pageant to join. And I took a shot. I just applied. You know, I took a shot and um, I got in. You know, they nominated me to be the representative for Singapore. And so the semifinals is based on nomination. So only 20, 25 countries get through to the finals. And I put our country on the map. I was like shocked. I was so shocked. I got the email. I was like, what, me? Huh? <laughs> me? Was it like miscongeniality training where like they put you through the ringer in terms of, and this is how you answer a question and this is how you walk? And... Well, they didn't train us for answering questions because they expected us to be prepared. Right. But I've done so many interviews in Singapore. Yeah, I mean, like you got this, even yeah. just the way you're showing up for our podcast. Yeah. I'm like... <laughs> We're the amateurs. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> But like um, I practiced in Singapore and I, it kind of came full circle. I was like, okay. And at the time I was doing a lot of um, shows for Capitella, you know, and Capitella was like, oh, you can take a dress from us if you want. Mm. And I was like, perfect, sweet, you know, and they had like gazillions of dresses in their warehouse. And I was like, great, why not? I have a dress. I have, you know, the dialogue. I just need to get my ass to Thailand, you know, and put Singapore on the map. So, and strange enough, at the time, so many beauty page, ex-beauty pageant queens were coming to me to, for my business, you know, to, to, as, my, as my customers. And they became my friends. It was so weird. Like, they, they started talking to me. I don't know how. It's like, I don't look for them. I think the energy just kind of drew them to my life. And I had everything I needed. You know, and I was like, okay, let's do this. Let's give it a shot. Yeah. That's such a cool experience. And it must have been just like, I don't know, there's a certain like, fuck yeah, to do something like on a national level. Yeah. yeah. On an international level. Yeah. Yeah. But it's, it's, it's a really big thing. But I think um, when you do it as a trans woman, it gets a little bit scary. Of course. <laughs> yeah. But was it at least comforting in that? It was it was a pageant for like a massive international transgender community. Just knowing that the women that you were going to meet there would be from all different backgrounds, but you were all sort of tied to like one bond. That we all started the same. Yeah. We all we all shared the same journey in different ways. Yeah. Yeah. And it's a different experience when you see so many twenty five women from different countries. Because my experience as a trans woman here. It's very different from a trans woman in India. Yeah. It's very different from a trans woman in Mexico, yeah. in Philippines. Yeah. You know, and to just see, you know, that a mirror of you mm. in a different yeah. in a different stimulus, in a different environment, it just puts a lot of perspective and makes you appreciate what you're going through in your own country and it gives you the light that you need. Mm. Because as a trans woman it's really it's really depressing. <laughs> you know, you have no one to talk to. It's just like, oh, God, what now? <laughs> okay, so if there's 
So for anyone who's listening out there who say potentially like a young, a young adult or, you know, like a kid who's pre-transition or, or in the middle of transition or even post-transition who are looking for a community to, of like-minded people, where do they go in a place like Singapore? Like where do well, they find this the community? project. So that, that organization, I, I salute them for doing what they do. They champion giving counseling and giving a home to homeless transgenders. What was it called again? The Tea Project. The Tea Project. So I donate stuff to them because obviously I have a lot of clothes, you know, and I just like, when I don't want to use them, I just send it their way. And it's, it's good because like a lot of transgender who can't afford to go to get their first bra, you know, who just want that little bit of happiness, that little bit of hope, just so that they can see the next day and, they they get free you know free outfits oh, I love look that. look look pretty so it's called the tea project the tea project well, we'll be adding that to the show notes right? yeah Who wants to go further into this yeah. yeah yeah and um and there's they also have this thing called the Alicia Community Center run by the same woman and uh, basically they provide counseling for members of the LGBTQ community not just trans that's um, awesome I think that's the thing like you don't really hear about it that much in Singapore you sort of you hope that it's there, but in terms of, I mean, I guess it's obviously not a resource that we would actively be looking for unless we were trying to support. Yeah. But if, you know, you're a young kid who's really trying to understand their sexual identity, you don't know the first place yeah. to go. These places are Somebody really come to that. me. You know, my DMs are full of like... Oh, that's awesome though. Because you, you're basically like a guardian angel for them. I do. And but that's the thing. I think when we try to talk about or dissect the conversation in Singapore around sexuality, these type of topics, it is tricky. It is tricky. And let alone uh, the trans community, it's invisible to us. Let's be honest. It is. It is. But that being said, you know, with new media, with people who are just having representation with you even just existing in a public eye we're giving hope to a lot of younger generation to be able to come forward just this new type of new age mindset which is just i mean the future it's very empowering it's empowering and i think um there's always been the saying trans women are the agents of change not just for the lgbt but for gender because we live both yeah. yeah, we live both genders. Yeah. We know it's like the intersection, isn't it? Yes, we we know what men are really going through <laughs> because we've been one. Yeah, you know we've lived undercover. <laughs> you know, just a double agent. This yeah, whole time. and the thing is, I was in the army before, so I know what they talk about when you go around. around. <laughs> <laughs> like room talk. Oh, you know? oh, and thanks. on top of that, I'm in the LGBTQ community, and I'm around gay men a lot. You know, and there are men too. You know, and I, and I I see the bridge. I see the huge gap that you girls are trying to fill. You know, and I I I feel for I feel for you guys because I'm I'm in it as well, obviously. And there's a lot of work to be done, and we need cooperation from the men as well. So this <laughs> I mean, we we don't just have to empower the women. We got to get this to the guys. Yeah, we're oh waiting. God. So, girls, if you're listening, pass this to your male friend, your brother, or your <laughs> husband. Make them listen to these type of conversations. Yeah. Yeah, I, I feel like um, someday, many years from now, you know, gender won't be a thing. We'll just be treated, you know, we'll see people as people. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. I always love it when we end the podcast on these like warm, fuzzy notes. <laughs> this is all I want. 
Just a feel-good vibe. But on that note, guys, it is the perfect time to round this down. Andrea, thank you so much for coming on. I feel like there's so much to unpack. And just your angle on all types of topics in terms of self-growth, inner confidence, self-love. Identity. Identity. There's so much that you can share on it that we actually have to have you back. Yeah. Like we, we We're not really going to fit it in one episode. We really do because I think that one thing that's been highlighted to me from your experience is that not only have you walked the walk and all that, but <laughs> you've slept in the bed, <laughs> you woke up the next day, you made yourself a cup of coffee. <laughs> you have experience that um that's worth sharing. So thank you for coming on our podcast. No thank you for having with me. us. Oh no, yeah. thank you so much. This was awesome. So um for our audience tuning in, we're going to just leave every link on how you can link up with Andrea if you'd like to all the foundations we met we mentioned in this podcast everything will be in the show notes so go ahead scroll on down and if there's anything else you know where to find us by now yeah you guys know the drill go hit that follow button go hit that like button subscribe like follow YouTube Twitter all of it you know we're working on it okay if we don't have it up by now i know we say this at the end of every episode to kind of like put it out in the universe to be yeah because then if we don't manifestation goes yeah Yeah. it's manifested it'll come true then by mid for our like professional studio so we graduate past this like three laptop setup in marissa's apartment (laughs) (laughs) at least we graduated this isn't my brother's bedroom floor it's now my new apartment so true all right guys thank you so much for tuning in and andrea thank you once again girl you're welcome thank you thank you for having me